Ladies and gentlemen, it is showtime. Please welcome the team of the Fulhamish Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Fulhamish Podcast, your independent voice of Fulham FC. We are weekly audio fix which discusses the country's second most popular sport following Sunday's ridiculous Cricket World Cup final. My name is Sammy James and I'm joined by the run counter, Farrell Monk. Oh, hello there. Uh, the man who's far more inclined to shout home run than six, it's Nathan Martin. Hello, hello, hello. And hoping it's not a golden duck on his Fulhamish debut, George Cooper. Good evening. Welcome to the podcast, George. Welcome, welcome, Thank you. It's, it's, it's an honour to be here, gents. It really is. Uh, well, you did your first radio show last week. You soon followed up by a podcast appearance. Uh, who knows what heady heights you could be hitting in uh, six months' time once you're fully in the first team squad. Exactly. I'm well and truly thrown in at the deep end, but it's all going well so far. So. Well, we got double George, so what are you going to do about that? Yeah, we've got two Georges now. So we've got, we had double Jack come up uh, a couple <laughs> of seasons ago. Now we've got to deal with uh, double George as well. Um, I want to start off, I don't normally do this, um, with an email I received in oh, the gosh. week. Um, this is... <laughs> Probably the best email Fulhamish has ever received. And that, we've been going a little while, so it's saying something. It's from Paul Deegan. Now, if you heard the podcast that Jack and I did in that Cafe Nero um, last week, I started off the podcast with a few Everest puns. You know, we were at the base camp of the season and all of that. And then we had a bit of a joke that the reason I came up with those puns was because I'd watched the film Everest the night before which, if you haven't seen the film, uh, it's, it's an okay film. It's about the 1996 disaster on Mount Everest. I got this email from Paul Deegan, said, My jaw dropped when you began your latest podcast with so many expedition references. I was on Everest during the storm of 1996, which was depicted <laughs> in the film that you watched. I didn't, summit, I didn't summit that year, no surprise, but eight years later, I became perhaps the first and only Fulham supporter... Uh, to top out on the big E, not boasting, but it was far too much of a coincidence not to mention it to you in passing. I mean, that's a great. I would boast about that all the time. That's fantastic. And it got me. It got. It did get me thinking. Is he the only Fulham fan to have climbed Mount Everest? Now I looked up. There's about seven thousand people that have climbed Mount Everest, and when you really break it down. He's got to be in with a shout of being the only Fulham fan to have scaled Mount Everest, surely. Well, and, 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 and it's been in the news recently because they're sort of having so many people trying to summit. It's actually a bit tragic. So you have too many people now. But yeah, I, I would be shocked if there's another Fulham fan that has, has made it to the top. I saw that as well. People were literally queuing to get yeah. to the yeah. summit. Yeah. 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 It, and it's actually really, yeah, sad. there's a sad side and we don't want to go Hopefully, dark if right that's, now. I mean, it's possibly, you know, a, a sort of euphemism for all the championship teams queuing to get up to the Premier League. Yeah. yeah Fulham reached that. the summit and quickly fell back down again. Proving <laughs> that as Fulham fans, we can just about juxtaposition anything uh, and, and crowbar anything about Fulham uh, into a... Uh, into a sentence but yeah Paul incredible did get me thinking is there anything else that someone listening has done or a fact about them that means they're the only Fulham fan with a certain fact so are you the only Fulham fan that lives in North Korea or are you the only Fulham they won't be able to hear this podcast (laughs) are you the only Fulham fan that's rode the Atlantic or something like that if you have a fact and you reckon you're the only Fulham fan that's done something email us hello at fulhamish.co.uk I I mean can I I, I make a suggestion I think we should have a a competition for the best Fulham fan that has done X, Y, or Z, and we should we should we should yeah. vote on it at the end of the year. The, be- the best Fulham humble brag. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I love the guys like I don't want to brag. I'm like, dude, 
Everest. Come on. <laughs> yeah. If I'd climbed Mount Everest, trust me, you'd have heard about it. Okay. Well, loads to talk about in today's podcast. Uh, lots of transfer stuff, bit of preseason, uh, ticket prices, and a load of your questions at the end. We'll start with the big one. Uh, the news dropped on Saturday. Ivan Cavallero has signed for the Whites on a one-year loan from Wolves. Um, Farrell, it was. It came out on Friday that this was almost definitely on the cards, and it had been one that was in the rumor mill all summer. Tony Khan dropped that hint about how he was talking to George Mendes, which made us think even more this was the route he was going down. I think it's probably the biggest coup by a championship team so far this summer. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there hasn't been a huge amount of activity on the on the. Uh, championship transfer window mainly mainly to do with managers at the moment of course Steve Bruce has just resigned due to uh, take the Newcastle job thankfully um, and uh, loyalty did, did you see that did you see that stat about Steve Bruce that he's like one of two managers to have managed over 250 games and still have like a below 40% win percentage it's him and Brian Robson so uh, yeah not not complaining too much about him <laughs> well that's quite a stat yeah uh, but yeah so um Cavaliero, like you know, just thinking about it, he's 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 been there, he's done that. I mean, a proven not just championship player, but a championship winner. You know, and um, we always talk about how you know the nearly their teams. You know, at the, you know, when you talk about Liverpool at the moment or, or Spurs in the Champions League. You know, it's it's taken so much to sort of once they get that first win under the belt, then perhaps it it sort of goes from there. And I think it's the same with the championship. Just look at Oliver Norwood, promotion expert, and I think the championship teams are probably going after him if, if Sheffield United want to uh, shift him on again please I, I would <laughs> I would love Ollie Norwood to come back to Fulham but I also really want Oliver Norwood to play in the flipping Premier League yes, exactly. I, like, please Poor pull Ollie. him in your team he deserves it <laughs> more than like, anyone yeah. I mean just talking about Cavaliero once again I mean for once we're actually got like an out and out winger I mean when was the last time an out and out winger has actually played played for Fulham I'm thinking about Ashkan Dejaga sort of mm. uh, well, do you not do you not quite count Floyd as an out and out I, I don't guess. know because he's he is sort of he he has played up front quite a lot not just uh you know if ben jarman is listening he'll you know the full nine position you know he he, he sort of drifted in and out um, he's not necessarily that hit the byline kind yeah of winger exactly and a very very direct player a very very strong quick you know uh, once the full once the fullback sees that you know his opposite first, no, first proper winger since sonia luko Perhaps yes, and that that has given me a little tingle downstairs thinking about Sonia Luco. Gosh, <laughs> shall we pass the watershed? Yeah, <laughs> please, mate. It's too hot in here for things like that. Um, George, what were your thoughts uh, um, when, when the deal came through? Oh, I was delighted. Delighted. It, it it seems a weird one to me because I can't for the life of me work out why Wolves would let him go. I mean, it would only suggest that they have other people in the pipeline because they've got a pretty flimsy like well not lightweight but they're, they're running low on numbers going forward yeah. um, especially with Costa leaving as well and um, I had a little uh, look on the Wolves forum this afternoon just to see what the fans what, what was the forum called I always, <laughs> love, the, I always love the forum names the, the forum was called the Molyneux Mix and there was, oh, okay. there was a particularly nice uh, touch as well in that the suffix for everyone's username was wolf so everyone had their username and then wolf as in do you think that was like part of the rule of joining the message board or it's something that they've all just decided to do I think it's the latter because not everyone has it it's like 90% of the people <laughs> have wow. like taken this rule on board but should, we, should we change all our like names on the site to the cottager or something or like the that the badges like, yeah. Yeah. I, don't know what, I don't know what it would I'll be, be. The, I'll be the Putney manager there's quite a few billies <laughs> there's quite a few billies out there yeah exactly 
Anyway, so I was looking at, uh, to see what the, uh, the Wolves fans were saying on the forum. And, uh, I mean, people are saying genuinely gutted. He's a perfect player to have in and around the squads. Always makes an impact off the bench. Um, has a better goal-to-assist ratio than both Raul and Diogo, just so Jota. So he's going to be missed. Uh, we'll be genuinely sad if this is true. Uh, werewolf of Wombourne said. <laughs> <laughs> so he sort of like had a bit of artistic license on that rule. Loved Cab from the first minute I saw him play. So... Uh, yeah, no, I think it's a very, very good sign. Well, that's always the biggest sign and the biggest endearment you can get if the team that's, that's selling or letting go is, is sad about it. But I guess it probably shows that Wolves are on to even bigger and better things, which says more about the, the state of Wolves and how, and how rich the, the, the talent is in that squad that they can let someone like Ivan Cavallero go. I'm surprised that he hasn't got a, another Premier League team, but maybe that's Wolves trying to avoid selling to a... A, a direct rival. Yeah, I, I think it's kind of an odd that When this came through, I think there's there's two levels to this. And one, you know, how refreshing is it? I, I like with the point that you and Jack made last time about uh, you know sort of the, the most exciting thing so far being that we've retained our squad. That we're not you know we're, we're, we've kept this core. We've got, we've got some amazing players, and also just assign someone who's so proven, who's just so suited to this. But then also on a financial level, I mean, we've made this point about you know this is a this is a loan deal. There's a good chance that maybe maybe there'll, there'll be an option to buy. He there goes, is an option to buy, he, and he's he's out of contract mm. next year, right? Is that is that is that it? Yeah, I was a bit baffled how that works. An option to buy on a fr- right. So does that free. mean that you have a chance to buy him at the end of a, a free? Um, and you know, I also so one, I, I love seeing what Tony's done with that. I think that's fantastic. It's just really encouraging. He's going to slot in. By the way, we've also got him with a, you know at least a few weeks to spare. And it gets to the point with Wolves is that yes, they may have talent, but there's a, there's a bit of a question. I mean, you know, they've got the Europa League this year, right? So they've got extra games. They're going to need a deep squad, and you know, um, I'm not convinced. I, I, I believe in that team. I, I think they've done some amazing work. They've got amazing resources, but. You know, betting in players, getting them ready for the for the, for the Premier League. Jimenez has been playing over in the Gold Cup; has been amazing for Mexico. But they're going to be a bit thin, and they've got extra games, and they're over in China right now. And we know yeah. how you know Premier League teams with their sort of international junkets that can be great for the money side of things, but it's not always great for the team chemistry. And so, I think that first month of the season and, and getting up to speed could be difficult. But you know, you, you can't you can't doubt Wolves too much with what they've done in the last couple of years. Perhaps well, Wolves are getting a Ronaldo or someone like that. <laughs> exactly. Genuinely, I you couldn't put it past them. Neymar with those, to Wolves. Yeah, with those links they have to George Mendes, you do genuinely want. <laughs> wonder if Wolves could pull off a coup like that um, but Wolves' loss is is Fulham's gain there's been a bit of debate as to whether he's left-sided or right-sided winger I've, I imagined he was going to be propping up the left with the inevitable departure of of Cessignon and whenever I'd seen him falls I swear I've seen him on the left but I've seen other people suggesting that he'll definitely be on the right wing Will we have any insight into that well as far as I remember he was always plowing down the right hand side against against Fulham and I do remember in the home fixture mm. uh, last season he came he came on with about half an hour to go and was you know pretty devastated he was definitely Wolves best attacking player when he did come on and um you know, and it showed their wealth of of, of um, depth that they had in that in the squad to yeah. eventually finish seventh in the end. Was it seventh in the end? Seventh. Yeah. Mm. Um, but you know, talking about Fulham specifically, I I've got to say he in terms of our right wing options. You know, we do obviously have Floyd Aite, who I do really like, but Cavaliero is just that little bit of a step up, and um, it's great to have two great options there out on the right wing and. We haven't seen Floyd too much out from the left and um, perhaps we could actually see them intertwine on those left and right hand side. Well, to be fair, Scott 
when he came in, was chopping and changing the wings quite a lot. He used Ryan Babel on the other side mm. to where we expected Ryan Babel mm. to play. He often played on the left instead of the right. And you imagine Cavalero's got the chops to be on either wing, to be mm. honest, and, and cause damage depending on probably what the, uh, the opposition is. Mitro's going to be licking his lips, surely. That's going to be, for me, that's got to be a deadly partnership in waiting. Hmm, absolutely I mean, just uh, going back to the old switching the wings technique it conjures images of when Roy Hodgson used to swap Davies and Duff over yeah. via a devastating sort of a switch to have in your arsenal but um but yeah no i think as it offers another uh, option up top and i think he is versatile he's been, i've seen him play on the left for wolves and we've got kamara there he can play on the right yeah um so yeah i think mitro is going to be served well this well this year yeah um, let's move on to another transfer. Now, we expected even Cavalero to come in. I'm not going to lie, when my phone flashed on Sunday morning to say we'd signed Martel Taylor Crossdale, um, it's not one that I was expecting, and I did have to go straight <laughs> onto Google. But Google told me it was a free transfer from Chelsea, two years contract. Uh, he's 19 years old, uh, plays up front. He looks like he's going to be. A uh, very, very useful player, potentially for the under-23s. But you'd imagine on the cusp of being in amongst the first team as well, uh, this this kind of signing, he looked like someone, just reading between the lines of some of his tweets and, some, and all of that, he wasn't prepared to be another, I'm going to stay at Chelsea and kind of rot in there under-23s for years and years. He had that ambition to play first-team football and was willing to go on a free transfer to make it happen. Yeah, and, and I again, I, I would not pretend that I have the depth to know all, all the ins and outs, but again, this looks like a good piece of business by Tony and by the rest of the, the staff and the administration. You know, you get someone who's got potential, he's got a lot of upside there, and we need some depth, particularly, you know, it's the thing we've all worried about with Mitro is that for some reason, you know, heaven help us that he gets hurt. Um, you know, where are we going to have some depth? We're going to have, you know, uh, um, AK-47 and, and and others but it's nice to have someone in the squad who has that put him in the youth team we've got an amazing youth team add, add a bit of striking power but it also says something about Chelsea right now um, I, I played football was it last week or two weeks ago with, with, with Jack and some of the Bleacher Report guys and one of the journalists there had just come from Frank's first press conference um, at, at Chelsea and he was just saying the sort of the optimism around Chelsea of like actually having a coordinated approach to to the youth team and about which players going to be loaned out. You saw the the defender's name if I'm slipping today that's going to be loaned out. Uh, uh, Sampu. Uh, yeah, whatever the Ethan guy. Ampadu. The hair. The hair. He's got all the hair. <laughs> the which I would I wouldn't be you know have a problem with him going there. But I think you know you're going to have maybe a bit more of a concerted approach with players being told specifically. Look, you know we we see you being part of this. We don't see you being part of this. And that actually you know hopefully it'll be good for Chelsea and the development. We don't want Chelsea. No, we don't. Too well. No, it's we hope it's not going to but be. we hope it's good for the youth players who a lot of them have have really struggled in that system it's not been good for them but hopefully it'll also be good for someone like, like fulham where we can be a, a landing place for some of these very talented players and give them a bit of a, a bit of grow, room to grow well uh, just published on the fulhamish website today uh frankie taylor wrote a kind of get to know player profile for taylor crossdale uh it's very very interesting um you know frankie talks about him being a number nine blessed with pace to run in behind um and a devilish ability uh to find the back of the net so he sounds like a strong finisher not necessarily someone that's going to create chances himself a bit more of a a poacher type player but again if he is going to have a bit of a role off the bench this season for fulham well that's a hell of a, a knack to have and we, we saw even with teams like Liverpool this season, just having someone that can come off the bench and, and nick a few important goals towards the end of the season when players like 
Mitro, Cavalero, Kamara or might all be tiring. I, I think he's gonna. I think he's mm. gonna find a way into this team with, with with kind of attributes like that. Yeah, and you know, pro- sorry to delve into some cliches probably in the next paragraph or two, but uh, <laughs> you cliches, no way. <laughs> just putting in them out the bag, and uh, so you know, we, when we've got Mitrovic, who you know, you've got to think now he's pretty experienced, even though he's only. He's around 25 now, and you know it's it's easy to forget that he's still relatively young. But he's a very now, you know he's now an experienced uh, professional footballer, and you know he's not going to last the 90 minutes. And he offers, you know, this this new guy is going to offer something completely different. Someone who's young and hungry, who's looking to uh, prove himself. You know, only a two-year deal, so it's not like he's got his long-term future secure. Um, and at Fulham, you know, he's got a big opportunity to learn from some well-established, proven strikers mm, I think it, we need that depth I mean that's painfully obvious we need as many options as we can going up top and also things like the Carling Cup FA Cup Kassir maybe starting for, in those sorts of games building up his confidence giving our main boys a rest as and when needed I think it's a good signing very happy I guess in always got to remember he is 19 and whilst we do have uh, our own 19 year old who's potentially ready to leave for multi-million pound deals 19 is still very young and we were all talking about potentially breaking into the first team it might not be too surprising if also he goes the other way and we don't really see a lot of him and we have this mm. whole discussion and he's just someone that remains in the under 23s and that's kind of what happens with young players I was quite surprised we'd only given him a two-year deal um I feel like Fulham seem to keep making this mistake of not getting some of their younger players on longer contracts sooner, maybe showing a little bit more faith because let's say he does break into the team this year and become good. Suddenly he's only got one year left on his deal and we're in a sticky situation again where with Moussa Dembele and and you're now seeing it with Ryan Sessegnon, how their contracts expire really, really quickly. It comes around and then the bargaining position is, is all with them. So you wonder if maybe Fulham needs to start showing a little bit more faith to some of these younger players offering a bit longer contracts. And then if they do come good, we're in a much stronger bargaining position and we don't get our players nicked on the cheap. Mm. I think a lot of that will come down to agents pushing those kind of deals through for the precise reason that you mentioned. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I totally agree. It would be good to see these players tie down for a bit longer. But it's just the way football is now, I'm afraid. You see it across the board. It's not just Fulham where this is happening. No. Uh, so, oh, I mean, there's yeah. not a lot you can do, really. It's, it is quite an interesting one, especially with the financial clout that Fulham has behind them, that, you know, an extra deal for a 19-year-old who hasn't had much experience or exposure at all. Obviously, there's well-documented at Chelsea that they have youngsters, uh, you know, on not, you know, thousands of pounds, tens of thousands of pounds. Right. And um, so, you know, the wage demands of certain players. But this you know uh, Taylor Crossdale doesn't necessarily have that exposure already because I you know we around the table had never heard of him beforehand so it's not like he's probably um, demanding huge sums of money so it is quite a quite an interesting one that you know the Tony Khan has decided to only offer two years with considering the financial clout that that we have but then again you know it is still championship football the the prizes that are available to us isn't as great as it was and we still have as we've seen Tom Kearney and Mitrovic signing long lucrative you know lucrative contracts for four and five years 
is that possibly we're now starting to have our budgets a bit squeezed. Yeah, of course. And I think that's always going to be a, a concern. And that was one of my concerns when we offered such lucrative deals to, to Kearney and Mitrovic is that does this hamper us, especially in the wage bill um, department. I imagine there might be some funds for spending, but the wage bill now, there can't be an awful lot left in the kitty. You imagine someone like Cavalero's not mm. coming cheap either our wage bill is going to be very very high but fortunately when you get deals like Cavalera at least it's the risk is only one year well like Tony Khan said in the amazing Fulhamish interview that you know (laughs) (laughs) that when that when he brought in Mitrovic initially he had to go pretty much pleading to his dad to you know say can we get this money because we we really need this player he had to remortgage the yacht (laughs) yes but I think it's also I mean the the flip side of this is that we all don't know what happens in the negotiations. We don't know who is pushing for what and, you know, whether this was Tony or was the agent or or what. At the same time, the only kind of caution, which is never fun to do when we want to speculate is, you know, just, just remember how, happy we were with how the structure of the contracts were at the end of the Premier League last year and how Tony and, and, and thankfully they worked in such a way where we haven't been in such a bad financial situation with a bunch of contracts that we were stuck with dead weight so you know I'm kind of willing to wait and see I mean maybe they give it six months you see how he beds into the team and who knows maybe there's an extension maybe they try to renegotiate yep. yeah they could very well be um, let's have a look at a few more of the rumours that have been knocking about um, for me I'm a bit worried why there's no defensive rumours it's all well and good so Signing wingers and having wingers rumoured, but the only two of note really I've seen in the last week, obviously people like Michael Hector may be bubbling in the background, but there's been kind of nothing new on that. The first one, which came out pretty much on the same day as all the Cavalero stuff came out, and this one, this one caught me out. I was not expecting it. Anthony Knockart from Brighton um, in a rumoured 15 million pound deal. Now, I just cannot see this one happening and I thought it was all just nonsense. But more and more people seem to be talking about it over the weekend. I, I just don't buy it. But maybe I'm, maybe I'm naive. It's an know. interesting one because he hasn't been playing week in, week out for Brighton that much. When he does, he's pretty productive. But, you know, they, they haven't played him a huge amount in the Premier League, certainly last season. Um, but again, he's proven championship. He's proven championship winner. Well, runner-up last time even. And... You know, and that's the type of player that Fulham are looking for. I think the money that's been, you know, touted around, I think that's agents saying, you know, bump up the price. You know, that's going to get my little little uh, deal in. This is how much my, my player is worth, that kind of stuff. Um, but I think it's all part of the negotiation tactic. I think that the Tony Khan is probably putting out feelers for a lot of players and little bits are coming out here and there. And it, for me, it's no huge surprise that we're linked with a player of of his quality championship quality um and there's probably many others and i just think that knockout is just one of them but for me one thing that i took out of the tony khan interview was him talking about age profiles and how right. they select players and how once you're over that curve of being kind of 27 28 that only in exceptional circumstances will they push for a deal like that such Mm. as Ryan Babel was an exceptional circumstance because we were fighting relegation it was a six month deal and and all of that Knockhart's 28 later this year so in November he turns 28 15 million pounds for a 28 year old doesn't seem like massively sensible business to me and obviously the, the, the flip side of that is well if he's the difference between promotion and not promotion, then it's incredible value. But that, that's, that's quite an arbitrary point to make and one you can't really measure as much as buy-on fee and sell-on fee. 
the one thing I would say is just with him, I, I again, I, I, I don't see it happening, but like you said, it, it, it sort of doesn't fit with what we know, but you know, at the same time, we'll, we'll see how it plays out. The one thing with the championship though, is we, we know with, 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 with Kearney is he, he's fantastic. It's a long season. You know, there, there's, there's a strong chance that he will have a knock or two through the year and you need a sort of playmaker, someone who's proven at that level. You know, we, we've got Steph Joe, you know, who's fantastic, but you know, maybe, maybe that's the thinking. I just can't, that's a lot of money and he's an older player. Yeah, the other rumor um, is Callum O'Dowd from Bristol City. <laughs> That's just Jack, the Irish contingent. Well, no, it's, he's Scottish, isn't he? I don't know. I, th- I, I think he's Scottish. He, yeah, I thought he was. Uh, he was I, I think he's he Scottish. I think I looked well, this up today. Give me two was... seconds. Callum O'Dowd. Uh, no, he's Irish. Oh, you're right. Of course. Um, so apologies an, to Jack. He's a winger from Bristol City. Left wing of Bristol City. Linked with an eight million pound move. I think everyone kind of took this with a pinch of salt until his dad <laughs> started following a load of Fulham accounts last night. Not just, I mean, he didn't follow Fulhamish, which I'm, I'm a bit insulted about. <laughs> and he didn't follow me, um, which also I'm insulted about. But he did follow hundreds of Fulham accounts and lots of people going, why has Callum O'Dowd's dad just, just followed me? Um, which maybe made think people think that the rumour was quite real. Apparently today he's gone and unfollowed all the accounts. <laughs> Some, someone had a few pints last night. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> oh, I'm well excited about Fulham. I'm going to get to know Fulham. Follow, 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 follow. Um, so there might be some, there's got to be some truth. I mean, your dad doesn't just follow a million Fulham Twitter accounts if there's no substance to the rumour. I don't know. My dad follows a lot of Fulham accounts. Maybe I'm on verge of signing. Maybe. He's a Fulham <laughs> fan. If you, if you were a footballer and he suddenly started following a load of Leighton Orient accounts. And their girlfriends. Yeah. <laughs> it's weird I mean I just I don't know what to read into it but again why I, I'm, I'm a bit confused why we're so desperately going after wingers when we do have defensive issues to fix mm, no absolutely I think we're paper thin on the on the right back left back position especially you know with Sesco and then if we get an injury to Joe Bryan I feel like we're in a very very sticky situation so that needs to be our um, priority from my perspective <laughs> Can we give a little shout out to Mr. Brian? Because a friend of the podcast had a heart surgery, George, who sits next to me in, in the hammy yeah. end. And really lovely thing. Someone at the club apparently found out that he was having a surgery. He opens up his email inbox and Joe Brian had sent him a video wishing him the best from the club. And, and you know, it's, it's, it's a little thing. That, and, you know, we're, we're happy that George is out of the hospital. But it's kind of a nice reminder of why we love this club, why it's home. Um, but also, please, Joe, stay healthy. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Second that. Well, that's lovely. That is lovely. It's nice. I asked him for your share, and so you know, shout out. Yeah, that's a good, good moment. Yeah, and get well soon, George. So a whole new left back, definitely. So. <laughs> <laughs> what an awful bloke. <laughs> okay, well that uh, kind of uh, concludes our little transfer section. Unless there's a rumor I've missed, I don't think so. Anything of note? No, none that it springs to my mind. I mean, you brought a few to my attention there. So. Can, can, can we just please ask Aston Villa to stop signing defenders, though? My goodness. Yeah, that was a bit of news that we haven't touched on. Uh, Jack and I waxed lyrical about Esri Konzo last week, and then Aston Villa made us look a little bit silly a few days later by, um, by, by signing him. It seems to me, though, that from what I'm reading from a lot of Brentford fans, they, they can't quite understand what all this fuss about Esri Konzo really is about as in like they're saying he's he's a good player he's not bad but why Premier League teams and 12 million they, they think they've got an absolute steal there swapping Janssen for Konza and making money mm. well I mean it kind of is reminiscent of when Button left uh, Brentford because they they liked him and they thought 
he was very good quality, but they were kind of like puzzled as to why a bigger team went went for went for them, uh, went for him and took him, and you know, and they obviously got a be- ended up getting a better um, goalkeeper, and we ended up with David Button. So, <laughs> um, right, well, that is all for part one. Uh, in part two, we're going to discuss a little bit of pre-season, some ticket prices, and we've got a bag full of your questions as well. Cavalero, Cavalera. Came to us on loan to bring us straight back up. Cavalero, Cavalera. Came to us on loan to bring us straight back up. Fulhamish has teamed up once again with Beer52 to offer you guys a free crate of craft beer. Just go to beer52.com forward slash Fulham and all you need to do is pay the postage and packaging which is $5.95 and you get a free crate of eight delicious craft beers from all around the world. There's no minimum commitment. You can just buy the free case, try the beers and see what you think and if it's not for you, you can pause or cancel anytime. So go to beer52.com forward slash Fulham and claim your free case today. Welcome back to part two of the Fulhamish podcast. Sammy James here with Farrell Monk. Ahoy, hoy. Debutant George Cooper. Hello. And Nathan Martin. USA. Hey. Uh, right. Well, we've got loads to be discussing uh, in this second part. We're going to start off with pre season. Uh, I saw a tweet off the Fulhamish account um, about 43 minutes ago, um, which I'm going to guess was Don Betts. Uh, it's the Algarve Fulham takeover. So this one's none on the pedalos. And it's the Portugal Rocks bar uh, covered in Fulham flags. Um, Everyone looks like they're having a jolly nice time. Well, there's actually only three people in the photo, but those three people look like they're having a nice time. Uh, so, yes, as we said, uh, Fulham are in Portugal at the moment. Um, someone compared the Fulham social media to a friend that's gone on holiday <laughs> and won't stop posting holiday pictures. It is a little bit like that. I mean, I'm as interested as I am to see Mitro playing crazy golf. I mean, it's not the be-all and end-all, but at least, I guess, content is content at the end of the day, and I can't moan about it. Uh, we've played one friendly already, which was a kind of behind-closed-doors against Burnley. Uh, we lost 1-0 with a Chris Wood penalty, which, if that didn't sound like a more standard Fulham result, <laughs> I don't know what will. Season has started, it sounds like. <laughs> yeah. I saw a uh, very funny tweet from someone I can't remember who it was now he said I bet Sean Dyche still wore his suit of course he did <laughs> 35 degrees sweltering of course he did and probably still moaned about the referee and, uh, <laughs> in, his, in his gravel voice but I mean what can you take out of a behind closed doors friendly uh, they play tonight uh, against Porto um, which is being broadcast on Portuguese TV I mean big club alert <laughs> Quick shout out to the Fulham content this pre-season anyway with uh, a couple of nice tweets coming coming out along the way. There was the one about uh, with the, the pints coming back in for when uh, championship have you not seen that one the chap when the the championship defenders when they realise pre- when oh, season's yeah, starting yeah, yeah, yeah. no no when uh, when Mitro signed his contract championship yes. defenders there was the one uh, there was the epic uh, the, the Brentford, Brentford one yeah. shut down with the South Park image um, so, yeah they've, uh, I, I also I, th- I thought you had a great point though where you said they really missed a trick of announcing a signing it was a pub quiz and, and oh no this, that was Jack yeah was they Jack. had the pub quiz and they had all I mean classic holiday content that is right. so, <laughs> <laughs> a photo of the pub quiz and uh, yeah Jack thought when they put the team lineups out that had there been a new yeah, signing that would have been absolutely that, brilliant yeah, that they, would have been good you, well, I mean you're, you're mates with Jeff so <laughs> but to be fair I, I'm, I'm at the point where I do love we all love Fulham content 
but particularly on Instagram and Twitter, I'm like, I, I, you know, I'm just waiting for them to be in their like bathing suits and to all be having a margarita together, like, and just sort of like holding the phone up in the air and kind of, you know, giving it that look. I'm just, it, it is kind of on the, on no, the that's, line that's here. My ins- that's my, that's <laughs> my, got that mixed up. At Farrell Monk for content like that. Um, and then we face Brighton on Saturday. Uh, Dom's going to be on the podcast on Monday, so I'm sure he will give us the lowdown. Uh, on all things Portugal. Um, Will Dom have seen any of the goals that happened during the match? Absolutely not. He's not. <laughs> the football is merely a sideshow. Just hopefully it's not going to turn into that 22-0 that Everton had in pre-season oh, last yeah. year, if you remember that from... Uh, mm. In that case, he might have a chance of seeing one of the goals. <laughs> I, I have to say one thing, just because I... This is the first part of the year. So I did have a chance to watch Ream on, um, play in the Gold Cup. And, you know, I know it's not the same. I know that... All the rest of it. It's really nice to ha- see him fit. It's nice to see him, you know, playing for the for the U.S. national team. He was hurt last year, and I think you know he, he, he's not the same guy he was two seasons ago or two years ago. But I think he's going to be better than people will remember, and, and it's going to be and he's going to offer us something that we didn't have at the start of last season. Just completely aside, was was there much attention on the Gold Cup considering what the women no, did in the no, in the World no, Cup no, not final? Really. I mean, and also like you're playing. You know, my dad did watch the Mexico game, which I think Josie Altador missed an absolute sitter. Um, but no, but Pul- I watched Pulisic play. It wasn't much attention on it. Pulisic played really well. He's got, he's got a great vision. He's no Eden Hazard, but it'll be interesting. But the, yeah, the U.S. national team is really out in the wild. Our own um, Bid Jarman wrote a nice little piece about it after the Gold Cup. But no, no one really paid attention. It's the U.S. women that are that we're all about, um, and we're all you know big fans. You just that that just wouldn't happen in England, sadly. I mean, or rightly or wrongly, but if England were playing in the Euros at the same time as the women were in the World Cup, I mean, it's quite an incredible situation out there. How women's football is so parallel, if not more well, yeah. popular in some senses than the men's game. There's a there's a really good podcast of our friends over at Mundial um, that that have been doing about sort of different key moments. From, it's on Spotify. It's really good, and they just did one about the sort of the seven women, the magnificent seven of the history of the women's game, and it gets to that sort of really influential moment in the U.S. soccer when um, Brandy Chastain scores the penalty and Michelle Akers and the rest of them, and you know just you've had a legacy of women, really great involvement and, and investment. And the U.S. national team, I think Jurgen Klinsmann really screwed us over. We, 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 had, we had some really great moments, and we, we've just we've really wasted it. And now we're at a point where the women are rightfully in the center of attention and the men are off on the side. Bring back Bruce Arena. Love Bruce Arena. <laughs> um, so moving on from preseason, because there's just not a lot that we can really discuss. And also preseason, I mean, it, we can talk about sort of like players slotting in and how the matches have gone. But if you think about it, when you look back, think back of results... Um, from pre-season they just make bear no correlation to what actually happens do you remember a couple of years ago in in the promotion season we lost 8-2 to Chelsea and everyone was was thinking what a terrible season and I don't think we won another game after that no it was it was was a stinker from from memory and one thing we definitely can discuss though um, ticket prices so you may have heard last season we we, we discussed this quite a lot did we? (laughs) did we? it was just a small little sideshow for us occasionally on the podcast yeah um Obviously, you know what we did. It was stop the greed and all of that. And we were very upset about ticket prices. And a lot of what we said last season was the proof will be in the pudding next season. It's hard to exactly compare it because we are in different divisions. And being in the Premier League would have been much easier for us to see what kind of impact 
the fans really speaking their mind about ticket prices had. Um, but Fulham have released the ticket price information for the first three matches. Um, fans, uh, £30 for the first three games, Blackburn, Forest and Millwall in the Hammersmith end. And, and we, we often talk about the Hammersmith end just because it's, e- it's the easiest place to compare it. Uh, what, what were your initial thoughts um, when they were released? Because obviously you were a big part of all the ticket price stuff last year. It's hard to... Uh, it's hard to gauge how I feel personally about it I, because I want to sort of get how fans, other, you know, the wider sort of fans actually feel about it because I've got my season ticket. It doesn't really affect me too much. Um, and the whole sort of point of it was that it was pricing, you know, your regular fans out, out coming to see Fulham week in, week out. And future fans. And future fans, of course. Um, so, you know, gathering your thoughts on it would be would be a major part of that and the comparison to to other similar price teams in, in the division or, or whoever. And that's going to take some time to sort of see that and see the impact of what's, what's been announced. But £30 and then you've got concessions, £25 and, and, and a lovely £2 discount if you're a young, young person or, or over, over 60 or over 65. Apologies, I can't remember. But um, yeah, it was, a, it was about what I thought it would be. Um, what, what was quite interesting, and I need to cap, uh, find out a few few more bits, was why Putney End wasn't particularly... wasn't it, It's not available. It's not available at all, which is quite an interesting one. I don't know why. There's also the fact is that it's not, own, not open to season ticket holders to buy extra tickets. It's just open to members. Um, hmm. Perhaps that's something, you know, I mean, membership is, what, £40 for adults and £20 for for juniors that's and, you, and you get a five pound discount on each ticket yes. with that membership which yeah. i mean it's one of those i mean you do need to go to a lot of games to make that membership yeah. really start paying for itself apart yeah. from i guess obviously with the membership you get the um access to tickets earlier than season yeah. holders which in this current situation kind of makes sense yeah and i i i've actually you know i have no problems with that i think last season I think a lot of fans were very angry, especially in the lead up to Category A games. I think the problem was is that there was no check on being coming a member. Yeah, there, there has to be some, and, and, and maybe this isn't a problem for this season. Although it could be towards the end of the season if any crunch games come about, there has to be some sort of check. And I know it's not that simple. Of is this person a real Fulham fan? Like mm. a vetting process. And I know okay. that I know so- that sounds mental, but. It was so easy last year for a Liverpool fan to spot that on the yeah. schedule. And, and lots of Liverpool fans, they can only make, you know, they, they, they single out the game that they can go to because it's so hard to get a Liverpool ticket or it's so expensive. And they go, right, well, I'll become a Fulham member and I'll pay the 40 quid for that and I'll make sure I get my Liverpool ticket because I'm going to become a member. And we can't be having that. It has to be going to genuine Fulham fans, especially when the capacity is so limited. So I don't know if there has been any vetting process or what they do in order to, to make sure that happens. Well, there hasn't. I mean, it goes against what the club was saying about we want to see the crossage as, uh, with as many Fulham fans in it as possible. And that was completely different to what the action was that was taking place. Um, but, you know, in, in regards to this season, ticket prices, yes, they've come down to a more acceptable level. But we, it's only the first three games. We've got 20 other um, league games to go. And these are not particularly... Attractive. Attractive games. Blackburn, Millwall, and forgive me, I can't remember the last. Forest. Forest. Um, what happens when we get to Brentford? What happens when we get to the latter stage of the season? Which 
two seasons ago they were starting to raise the price you know we talk about we talked about the time when they raised Brentford up to 40 pounds cheapest ticket so I I would be nice to get some clarification on the whole season because as you say I think 30 pounds isn't oh is just about on the borderline of acceptable Mm. price that's the cheapest ticket remember yeah but if it remained like that the whole season that every game the cheapest ticket price is 30 pounds but as you say if as soon as leads start rolling around it starts becoming 35 Mm. 40 then we have the same then we have the same problem and, and, and in my eyes not much has changed apart from maybe a five or two. what was quite interesting when I was doing the research last season was that how many Premier League clubs do actually sort of produce their match ticket prices for the whole season they say this is our policy for match tickets not all of them but a, you know a large proportion of them would do this and Fulham was one of those that just didn't they weren't even they weren't even that transparent they would always um go back and remove ticket prices and whatnot and that i i totally understand why they do those things um and it was just something i'd never even thought about so why are we why do we market ourselves as this club that treats our fans really really well when we don't actually publish our ticket policy and there's always you know at the moment in the last few years so there has been this sort of stretch to sort of just get that eke out that little bit more money here and there here and there and sort of change try and change that culture a little bit around it why are we so opaque about the you know what we actually the money that you know the fans are parting with to come see our beloved club it's such a change from where the clubs come from as well like i remember only 10 years ago kids season tickets kids tickets where you were look you weren't looking often spending more than 15 pounds i feel that's so important because you get people coming young and they're coming for the rest of their lives so what was it two pounds cheaper for a junior yeah. ticket yeah it's just a joke it needs yeah. to be more of a discount and i i just i was at the cottage on sunday just kind of wandering around on the opposite side of the river which you know hey i'm just ready for football season to start i don't know about you guys but it's also really exciting to see the rebuilding you know the, the construction works are already underway and it's just such a reminder that this is the season that the club has such a cool opportunity to be able to really like lock in support. Like if we really want to be serious about going back up, let's go up with a huge contingent of families of, of you know, renewed sort of back to the base. And so I think that's why it's so important that we move away from that opaque side. We make it fair. We make it easy for people to come to games and we really do start building a track record of locking in those people who are actual Fulham fans. So when we go up, we don't have the Liverpool situation happen yeah. again. I, yeah. And it's, it's important to know about the whole, Riverside development and whatnot and it is you know we don't want to criticise the ownership a huge amount because they are investing huge sums of money to sustain Fulham Football Club for the you know long long into the future so that you know grandchildren will be able to go and see Fulham and they won't see Fulham Park Rangers or, or someone like that <laughs> um, so you know you know, kudos to the investment that's going in but you know, it, you've got to have that slight tinge of, of looking at how it actually affects us. Well, this, is, this was our whole thing last season. You know, investment's great, but it doesn't, justif- it doesn't justify then the, some of the ticket prices that they were charging. It's not like the two go hand in hand. And without going into the absolute complexities of the finances of football clubs, the two really don't go no. hand in hand. But we don't want to offer up too much. We just thought we'd have a little bit of a debate. The ticket prices are out. I think the general conclusion is, okay not great but we do again still have to kind of wait and see as Mm. to what happens later in the season Um, I'm going to do some questions before we end today's podcast Um, again sorry for the late 
uh, arrival of this podcast. It's fully my fault. I bailed at the last minute on these three chaps, and so I was happy that they were able to uh, to reschedule at, at such late notice. I've been waiting in the studio all for 24 yeah. hours now. <laughs> yeah, we forgot to tell Farrell. He's just been stuck in the office for, uh, for the best part of a day. Right, starting off with TP. Uh, the club has done a fantastic job on keeping our key players plus a super signing with Ivan Cavallero. But who do you think are the other promotion contenders? Some folks already talk of walking the league, but didn't Stoke believe the same when they went down while holding most of their squad? So who do we think are the main contenders? Nathan, I'll start with you. For contenders for walking the league, for the league. It's, you know, Leeds are obviously the bookies' favorite to go up. I don't think that they're going to without you know more investment with without additional players i think they'll burn out just like they did last year so i mean you know we'll, we'll see leeds fans obviously have very strong opinions about that they, and they love their manager which which is fair enough i i think they might go up but i don't think it'll be automatic i think they, they'll probably have to go through the playoffs again um darby is gonna be interesting they, they you know they, they've they've made a they, they've got a good squad there um We'll, we'll see how it plays up. I, I don't know. I was looking at the this, this sort of the table. You know, Swansea's kind of the one that people forget about as well. You know, they still have some some good players on, on tap. They've lost but, their manager now, haven't they? Yeah, the, the, yeah. So yeah, I feel I'm not sure about Swansea. For me, the one that I think a lot of people are forgetting about is Cardiff. Cardiff. I was yeah. just about to say that. I think that Cardiff have a really really strong championship team. They've not really lost anybody. Um, they did a bloody good job at you know nearly staying in the Prem last year a lot lot better than us and, and still got Warnock who knows the division so well I think they will be definitely one of the teams to beat yeah and they've they've done something that are not a lot of Premier League clubs and speaking from our own personal experience of going through a Premier League season with the manager that got them up and not sacking him halfway through and then yeah. get relegated and then being in a pretty good position with someone who knows the club, who knows the players to get them back up again. Uh, he did the same thing at Sheffield United all, the, all those years ago. Um, so, you know, they, they're in a, they now have a massive opportunity to make a return straight back up, especially given the fact they have, they've lost zero players. The one thing I, I, I think it's, it's similar, actually, I would say, that's it's actually a really good point with Cardiff is the fact they also have the fans they've kept the fans on board you know like there's something to be said for not sacking the manager going down not and basically everyone in the fans sort of realizing and backing that vision knowing where they're going and you look at it in contrast you know Wednesday fans today are just devastated like that is a club that is lost right now and so yeah. you know we've got Parker we've we, we've actually had a pretty chilled out summer and so fans are behind him but that doesn't mean a lot when you go into a season do you have the fan base behind you yeah uh david manning uh we're continually linked with harry arter would his signing not mm -hmm. be a bit of a kick in the teeth for guys like luca de la torre and matt o'reilly looking to break in this season george i'll start with you um i think you know you've got to earn your stripes you've got to earn your place in the squad i don't think you can be looking for any potential signing as a kick in the teeth for the boys that are coming through you know it's up to them to prove their worth matt o'reilly particularly i rate very highly i think we'll see a lot more of him this season um i mean it's it's been from the very off that we've been linked with Arta, hasn't it? So I think if it is going to happen, it realistically would have happened by now. But um, the honestly question, no, I, I don't think so. I think that those two players are good enough to break through, and it's up to them to um, to do it. I don't, yeah, and I too totally agree. I think this one has been mooted ever since Scott Parker signed for the for Fulham in back in 2013. That Harry Arta is is bound to join this club. We might as well give him an honorary contract, like a brother-in-law or something. What yeah, was the yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but, you know, I think that you've got to think about the wider squad here. We already have 
a lot of very good people in that in that area you know Johansson's coming back now and that that is a massive bonus to be honest yeah so it's not just about your and you're quite right in saying it's it might be a blow to those players but you know this is a dog eat dog world they've got to prove themselves there's no there's no prizes for sentiment you know as as someone saw on twitter there's no points for your home kit arsenal fans or away kit (laughs) (laughs) um here's a good question from ibs do you think we will have a better team in the championship than we did last year in the premier league so if you take the two Ooh. sides up against each other, who do you think stronger? This I presume you've got to assume this means no Cess. And no Seri. And no Seri. Yeah, I think we can pretty much assume for the sake of this question that everyone else stays. And let's say one or two more signings come through the door, maybe just a couple of the ones that we've been linked with. Farrell? Uh, I'd still say the Premier League team because... Still got Babel, who was oh, yeah, Babel. arguably, you know, he was he was playing really really well. You know, we we saw some of his some some Babel or Cavalier. I feel like Cavalier and more than makes up for a for a no Ryan Babel. Uh, I I'd say I disagree. I thought Babel was you know the, he won a lot of plaudits in that in those two or three months that we saw him towards the end of last season, and I thought he was an excellent player, and he's probably better than. However, I've seen Cavalera in that time, and overall, Seri is a better. Seri is going to be a better player than anyone we can bring in now in in his position. Even though he didn't play that much towards the end, um, you know, we know what Ryan Sessegnon is capable of, and we'd be hard pressed to find a player that good in his position in the left wing position to 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 overtake if you're thinking about it at his potential really not you know let's take confidence out of this we'll 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 play this game on paper as they mm. say and i would say that given the loss of those three players in particular they're better that they are certainly better than anything we can bring in in the championship at the moment I suppose so. I was going to ask at what stage are we talking about of our Premier League season, but I think it was pretty consistently shocking throughout the whole uh, whole campaign. I, I I think it's a very hard question to answer. We we've got no idea how uh, the team with the new recruits is going to gel. Come on, man! Uh, you really you're really pressing me. Stop seeing that. <laughs> I think I, I I'm going to back the Championship team. I think the atmosphere that's going around the club, or what seems to be going around the club is, you know, morale seems to be a lot higher than it was last year. Uh, so what, I'm what, gonna... what manager are we choosing in the Premier League? Because there was three to yeah. choose from. Ooh. I think you've got to go for Ranieri. <laughs> no. Yeah, against, the Ranieri's, against Ranieri's Fulham, I'd back the team that we have at the moment. The yeah, against the Visas, I'm not 100% sure. Nathan, uh, call uh, this one for us. Championship. I mean, championship, if you say, yeah, I think where we're starting right now, everyone's bedded in. You've got a team, you've got guys like Zambo. You can only play 11 players. And in the Premier League, you know, yes, Serie, all those. We never really worked out really well how to play all those those guys in their optimal position. I think this championship squad's in a really good position. And also some of those key players, like like we mentioned, Reem and you know, players like Mawson are healthy. And I think so I think the championship team on balance would beat the Premier League team. Okay, I've got three quick fire questions for you to end this podcast. All three are great. All three are not, uh, none of them are serious. Right. Starting off, Adbron Smith, friend of the pod. Just want a one-word answer. Who re- wins this arm wrestle? Alfie Mawson, Kevin McDonald. Kevin McDonald. Mawson. McDonald. I'm going to go Mawson as well. Funny one word. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Don't call me out on my own rules. Man. Okay, this one's from Luca Lely. You have to do one of the following for the rest of your life. 
eat a yogurt every day without fail, but only using a fork as you're taught to eat it with. Or you have to listen to Piers Morgan talk for at least 10 minutes every day. Which one are you doing? Yogurt all day yogurt, long. Yogurt, yogurt, not a shadow of a doubt, yogurt. Yogurt, but as I said on Twitter, go watch Liam Gallagher eat soup with a fork. It'll be well worth your time. Wow, okay. And the final can one. The, can we chuck the yogurt at Piers Morgan? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> every day for the rest of your life. Every morning. Oh, God's sake, not again. Um, <laughs> finally, from the Grizzler, who asked three questions, but I'm just going to take his first. Um, what other podcasts do, do you listen to? Farrell? Uh, are we football or just any, anything? Any. I, well, I listen to the WTF1 podcast, which is the Formula 1 podcast. Okay, George? Uh, I love Atletico Mints, Bob Mortimer. And, yeah, um, good shout and oh well so like Off Menu James Acast that's a good podcast very good. Desert Island Discs very can't good. go wrong uh, those are my main three definitely and this one of course I'm going to limit you to about three Nathan because I imagine you listen to about ten hundred. No, I kind of I kind of go through rotation right now I'm listening to Giant by Mundial I can't recommend it high enough beautiful journalism that went all across the US all across the world highly recommend it so I'm just going to stick with one go listen to Giant by Mundial okay uh, my ones generally uh, I listen to Football Weekly uh, great pod <laughs> really sake. crappy really crappy producers though, crappy I mean, producers, yeah. though. Um, <laughs> I do genuinely listen to Jack's podcast Bleach Report yeah. Football Ranks it is good uh, it is my good. other one which I'm listening to non-football related very close to the one you're listening to but it's slightly different it's called Desert Island Dicks I was going to say that one <laughs> I, I was going to say that one I, I, I've never heard of this one it's it? really good it it's is all really, the people really good. that you would hate to be stuck on a desert island with it's also the animal you'd hate to be stuck on a well, desert island with the food you'd hate to be stuck on a <laughs> desert island with uh, it's a guy called James who I actually do know quite well and he gets lots of comedians on uh, to, to join him and they talk about um, all the things they'd hate to be stuck on a desert island with what, what, what? Oh my god! Can you imagine getting Drew on that? His one, oh his podcast gosh. would go on for days. Yeah, it'd just be a, a twenty-four hour marathon special of everything that irritates Drew. <laughs> I love, I love irritations with Drew. I would listen to a regular segment on Fulham issues, just letting Drew rant for about two minutes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we do need to name uh, the podcast for today. I'm going to give um, a nod to, to Jack, who... It's, it's currently in the US, traipsing around. Yeah, with... I know, living the high life, <laughs> not being on Fulhamish uh, podcasts. Um, he, well, he said that the club missed a trick not using Ivan the Terrible after Fulham went so deep on Alexander the Great. So, although it sounds quite negative, I feel like we should name the podcast uh, in Jack's honour and call it Ivan the Terrible, but Fowles disapproves with this, <laughs> with this working out. Well, I mean, you know, I don't think he is terrible. And uh, it's just quite boring. Well, I'm going to put my foot down on this one. Sorry. <laughs> right. Thank you very much for listening today. The podcast will return on Monday evening. Uh, we'll be looking back at uh, some of the pre-season. Dom's going to be here. and We can have a, a good chat about all the antics from, from Portugal. Reviewing Aperol spritz in the various locations. Yeah, which uh, which prison will have he spent a, a, a <laughs> night getting locked in? Uh, tune in on Monday to find out. And all of the latest transfer gossip. I'm sure there'll be some news between now and then. Uh, Farrell Monk, thank you very much. Obrigado. Very good. Uh, George, thank you very much. Thank you. And Nathan, thank you very much. Oh, you're very welcome. Have a good week and we will see you soon. 